And now, proper propaganda. Watch it. Pull my mic back. You like that? Journalists with journalists too. We can strike back. Hardcore reporters with orders from headquarters. Behind enemy lines. Sidestepping the borders. If you're just tuning in to Civic Cipher, I'm your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward. You are listening to A Year in Review with Civic Cipher. Mm-hmm. Um... And I'm going to need you to stick around because we do have a lot more to review. We're going to go from June to November um, and revisit some of the topics that we've discussed on the show, give some brief thoughts. And of course, um, you're welcome to go back and check out uh, any of these older episodes because we've done a lot of the research for these um, and they're, they're great episodes. Um, we're also going to talk about a great African Roman emperor. This is something I never knew because when you think of Rome, you think of Roman people, Italian people, that sort of thing. The but first time I ever heard the term Roman African emperor was you sending me this story. Yeah, exactly. So uh, stick around for that. And uh, also this Today, we're going to discuss BABA, Becoming a Better Ally, Baba. Today's Baba is sponsored by Major Threads uh, for quality menswear. Check out MajorThreads.com. Uh, today, uh, you can become a better ally by investing in black banking. Told you the episode was going to have that as a theme. Um, so let's name a few of these institutions uh, because you might think black owned bank. What? You know, I know Bank of America, Wells Fargo and Chase. That's it. Okay. Well, there's plenty of banks. Greenwood Incorporated, One United Bank, First Independence Bank, Carver State Bank, Citizens Trust Bank, Columbia Savings and Loan, Liberty Bank and Trust, etc. That list goes on. Okay. Um, this is very Googleable, right? And you don't need to keep your money in a Bank of America, Wells Fargo, etc. Now, why is this important? Well, traditional banks, you know, let's say you take your money, you put your money into a bank. They're going to give loans disproportionately to non-black borrowers, small business owners, etc. They're going to fund home ownership in non-black for non-black families at a higher rate, right? What happens is we give loans to these banks and they create wealth for people who are not black. They create opportunities for people who are not black based on just their mechanisms. Uh, they fund gentrification. They expand the wealth gap between black and uh, white people and families. And their lending practices um, solidify our position on this end of the spectrum uh, as black people. And so investing in black banks can actually start to make a dent in that. So do the research, but that's how you can become a better ally. Today's tip. All right. Uh, back to the lecture at hand. So our year in review, June. June was a troubling month for us. To I know, say the least. I know. Yeah, you're looking at it too. June was, was tough. June is when we discussed the Uvalde mass shooting. Um, I feel like you know what I'm talking about, but in short, Uvalde was when a gunman went into an elementary school and shot all the kids. 
and the kids died and then they had to make like spider-man coffins and all that stuff right by the way this country still hasn't done anything to anything significant to change the likelihood of that happening again and i will say that where i see the most friction and the most difficulty in creating those changes is with the conservative facet of this country i.e the republicans so again back to you know why do black people vote democrat <laughs> you know anyway and they have no intentions on doing anything either yeah no, we know that the governor yeah. of the state where this happened went to an nra rally or convention yeah, it was like the next day like yeah. the day after yeah yeah so anyway um the question that we asked ourselves when we actually um, did this episode was did the police really just stand there while children were shot unfortunately yes so we asked a question earlier do police make you safer the evidence would say no mr john All right so counselor john mm. so anyway um i remember having to have this conversation um you know we 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 have to be uh very transparent here you know there we have some longtime listeners of this show and we appreciate that support but after the past couple of months we have a lot of new listeners um particularly in this in the podcast space and starting in january we should have a lot more listeners nationally as well so some of these stories may not have made it to you but one thing that you need to know is that i'm a father i have two little boys and q is a father and he has a little boy and a little girl and they're about as precious as they can be and so this uvalde thing hit different because because it did why why would i have to even explain that i mean i'm sure you get what i'm saying you said it and i thought it almost at the same time it hit different because it did so, even if we weren't parents thank you you know what i mean like once upon a time there were people in this country who felt right mm -hmm. that 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 the people who vote that way the people who sympathize with nothing changing after these outcomes it's because it doesn't hit home from them for them it's not their children or it's not children and then one of these mass shootings hit in colorado where it was their children mm. where the kids did look like them mm -hmm. nothing changed still mm. because to a capitalist society it's capital over everything, everything. yeah that's fair profit over everything even our babies well even the lives and safety of our babies it's enough to make your stomach turn and i remember we had this conversation because neither one of us were really hyped to jump on the radio after that but i will say this um it might have been 2011 ish somewhere in there um sandy hook another school shooting where a um, bunch of babies got mowed down they didn't get to grow up that was the end of their story they went to school and then they didn't go home um 
that day I went and got my, my firstborn from school and I took him to Toys R Us. And because that hit different, because, you know, I grew up around mass shootings. This is not new, you know, as well as I do. Um, but when this Uvalde thing happened, I had a little boy who was in the second grade, um, which I believe was approximately the age of the students that were um, murdered at Uvalde. And I knew that I was going to have to do something because the government wasn't doing anything. And I knew I was going to have to talk to my son. And so I brought my seven-year-old at the time on the radio. You remember that episode, Q? And he sat here with Of him? course I do. Ad Adonai's naivete, innocence, uh, ignorance to the darkest parts of this story. Shown right through. Man, he is not ready for that. But... I'm his father. I have to let him know. Hey, listen, if you hear some noises at your school, I need you to run. I need you to don't help anybody. Do you have to survive? You come home to me. Okay. You go somewhere and you hide and you stay there. I had that conversation on the radio for everyone to hear because of the Suvalde shooting. Because if anybody was going to do anything, it had to be me because my son is going to come home to me. And, and, you feel irresponsible to not teach that lesson, but man, you don't want to have to. Mm -mm, not at all. You know what I'm saying? You know what was real cool though? Because I I monitored that show afterwards because I knew that there were going to be some people that be like, "Hey, man, listen, you can't talk to your kid about." It. Nobody sent anything. You know, a lot of times our listeners reach back out and they say, "Hey, you know, I like this. I didn't like that." Nobody said anything about that one. I mean, because unfortunately, everybody it was understood. Necessary. Everybody yeah. understood yeah. that. Like, listen, I and you could hear if you go back and find the episode. Uh, for those you, I, we put all of our shows up as a podcast. This is a radio show for those that don't know, um, but we put all of our shows up as a podcast. Um, you can go and find this episode. This was in June, and you'll hear his little voice <laughs> answer these questions. And I'm like, hey, baby, do you know that sometimes people go into the school and they shoot little kids? And he's like, no. Yeah, once once companies started to market bulletproof school supplies, yeah, we were too lost in the sauce. It's like, wow, the answer is not to make it safer, actually, but to give the false impression that it is bulletproof book bags. So yeah, anyway, um, we also talked about uh, reparations in June. This is something that there's a lot we we can talk about maybe two things a week on the show. You know what I mean? Like at length, there's a lot of things going on and all of them work together, but they're all kind of independent as well. You know what I mean? And I think that this gives a lot of our listeners a glimpse into what it is that black people are asking for. Because a lot of folks, if you don't know, it's like, well, black people always complain and black people always want something for free. Black people want this, black people want that. They want rights. Everybody's got the same rights. They think, what's, what's privilege? I don't have any privilege. Nobody gave me anything when I started out. You know, so this show, we get to explain all of these little things to people and kind of give them a glimpse into, hey, you know, it's not the same over here. Because it's, it's very easy for us to access what a white reality would be like it's often more difficult for a person where that's their reality to conceive of what a black reality would be like. And so reparations had its day um, in June 
that year, this, 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 this year, I should say, um, where we outlined some of the less obvious whys in terms of how reparations make sense. Um, we also took some time to perform another thought experiment that helped our listeners understand how by simply acknowledging the harm that slavery had on black people, just acknowledging it, that could be beneficial. Now, acknowledging harm doesn't have a dollar amount assigned to it, right? And the truth is, if you were to try to like really put a number on that, you'd turn off a lot of people who are in a position to actually make that happen, right? Which is so strange because but, the argument would be, where's this money coming from? We don't have it, yada, 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 but we send... There's always money for stuff that people want of billions of dollars to other countries to aid in their wars. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's not a lack of funding people. Yeah. Please don't convince yourselves of that. But in this particular facet, uh, we, I remember having this conversation where we were saying that, you know, just simply acknowledging, Hey, this is meant to address some of the things that, this country has done some of the wrongs that we've done on a human level. This was wrong. We did wrong. This is for our part. And that acknowledgement, it, it validates it just, you know what I'm saying? When you born black and you look around and you're like, damn, I'm black. Everybody else is black and we're just poor. And that's, that's normal. And that's just the state of black people. Why, why, why can't we be happy? Why can't, you know, um, I heard uh, someone say on a social media post the other day, it's like, why is it that, Black people are always waiting to get the reward in heaven, but we have to be miserable on earth. In every community, every city, coast to coast, in Africa, you know, Africa has been robbed of all of her wealth, of all, you know what I'm saying? And it's not unlike what happened, you know, in the United States with Native Americans. It's just, it's, how, how did this happen? How? Yeah, man. And how is this okay? How's there's this stunning silence associated with it? And when you start to address it by saying, listen, um, this was wrong. Here's what we are going to do about it right now. Um, that acknowledgement helps you to reorient your place in the world. Oh, this wasn't supposed to be like this. I'm not bad because I'm bad. I'm not poor because I'm supposed to be poor. There is something here that d definitively happened that set us on this course. And I just happened to be born at this time. And so my reality is not the result of... Uh, my people, me just being punished or being, you know, whatever it's, it's, it's a result of some bad people making some bad choices. And again, we spent that time talking about that. My, my bad. I felt like I might've cut you off. No, I was just going to point out that it's having to be born where the world looks at all of your shortcomings, your oppression, your marginalization, your losses, you being kidnapped, trafficked, sold, murdered, raped as not just a part of your history, but a part of your history that, you know, yeah, that happened. And right. Cause I, um, you guys can't see me, but I'm yeah, making doing a face, shrug, like, shrug like, shrugging. Cause yeah. to say, I'm sorry, would ha you'd have to acknowledge what you did. So yeah. let's not do that. Right. Yeah. Cause that was so long ago. And why are we even making it a big deal anymore? Yeah. And you look at throughout the world, Right. Slavery, the way that it happened on this country, probably singular to this country. Oh, definitely. singular. Right. But oppression and colonization and, you know, words like Commonwealth used to make that colonization seem like it was for everyone. Mm -hmm. 
Um, words like that still being used today, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's it's a troubling reality, man. You know, I, I see my brothers and sisters talk about, you know, I'd have never chosen to be anything but black. That's a very, very powerful and proud sentiment to say out loud. It's a hard one to mean, though, to actually mean. Yeah. Because there's no point throughout history where looking like us was in vogue to a point where life was good here anyway. In this country. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Reparations. Um, moving on July. Uh, oh, sorry. This is still in June. Yes, it was. Juneteenth. We we had a conversation about how to celebrate Juneteenth with black people. That was a fun one. Okay. All right. Let me paint this picture. Juneteenth, now a national holiday, federally recognized. I think that was one of the things that uh, uh, Biden did that many people called performative, right? And whatever the case is, it's not zero. We're used to getting zero. So anything that's not zero is something. Progress is slow. We know that. I, we 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 like you are annoyed that it came very much after much grander promises, right? Sure. Um, but we take our wins where we can get them. You know what I mean? And that's something. But we had to help our this show. For those that don't know, we we create a show that allows us to have black conversations in full view of non-black people. Our aim with this show is to help create stronger allies, to empower people, to give people knowledge. Just I would want somebody to teach me how to be their brother because I was born to love. So if you're like me, then I make this show for you. If if you're like Q, then Q makes this show for you, right? So when it came time to answer this question, how do we celebrate Juneteenth with black people. This was felt like it was perfect for us. Okay, listen, here's what you do. All right. So I remember this conversation. We were basically just saying, you know, um, you celebrate it just like you would celebrate any other holiday, right? You'd be mindful of like if if you're going to celebrate St. Patrick's Day, recognize there's a commercial element to it. You do things that aren't disrespectful to Irish people. If you're Go ahead, jump in. I'm jumping in. And like I, I had a few more examples, but go ahead. Yeah. So this is my position then and now. It's really, really hard to gatekeep yeah. the celebration of what is now. You're saying to, hey, everybody come celebrate this. Sure. Hey, but don't celebrate it like that. Right? I've worn a, a Kiss Me I'm Irish shirt on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. I don't know that that's not offensive to anyone Irish. Yeah. Right? So it's like the full commercialization of that holiday is why it's so popular, mm-hmm. right? So to it's like, hey, recognize us. Okay, now that you recognize us, don't do it like that. No, 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 you can't do it like that either. So there's a there's a kind of hand-holding that should happen instead of a gatekeeping and like looking that's, to- That's where I was going like yeah. looking to shut people down for doing it wrong. And it's like, hey, this is everyone's first time. Right. And every other holiday in this country that's from someone else's culture- those people have allowed the full participation of people that are not from their culture in a way that it seemed like we're not prepared to do. Now, 
You're absolutely right. What I was saying here is, in, in far as far as the example of um, St. Patrick's Day, I have not seen in my lifetime a person who dresses like, let's say, a leprechaun, and then puts like a big fake nose on, and uh, is you know like there's there's a way to do a caricature of someone's cultural identity or culture outright. And I haven't seen that happen. I've seen people wear Kiss Me, I'm Irish shirts. Um, I have a grandma who was, she was half Irish, half Cuban. Uh, so I guess I, what is that? Eighth Irish or 16th Irish or something like that. 16th Cuban, whatever that is, whatever that adds up to. Um, so I guess I could wear something like that <laughs> if I if I wanted to. Sure, but then you still look like Ramses. Yeah, and yeah. Then that's my that's my point. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, but but here's the thing: for this holiday and this episode, we were making sure that folks knew it was okay to celebrate with us. Think about it the same way you would think about any of the other holidays. Um, know that there are some sensitivities, but be prepared to learn from those sensitivities for your social circle, for your community, and then use that and use your best judgment. But do not be afraid because there's an opportunity here for fellowship. There's an opportunity to learn. I learned about St. Patrick's Day. I learned about Thanksgiving and what that was before it became Ind Indigenous People's Day. I learned about the history of all these people, where these holidays and these, these traditions come from. So use it as an opportunity to learn. If you can, learn from the people who are responsible for it learn why it exists, why people celebrate it. And if you feel, you get the day off of work now. So if you feel like celebrating that at the park, go celebrate at the park, even if you're not black. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, don't let the moment pass you by without taking a second to honor the fact that in this instance, there are people who died, uh, you know, during slavery. There's a tremendous amount of atrocities during slavery. And the freeing of the slaves is why Juneteenth, well, the, I guess the late freeing of the slaves is why Juneteenth really matters. So the, under, be a, the understanding that they were already free. There you go. That's is why that's a holiday. And lo, let's help people celebrate with us Yeah. instead of gatekeeping. Yeah, absolutely. In, in a way that we might be inclined to this, do. That we can build here. I, I love the idea of building bridges rather than destroying you know, relationships or putting up walls, bridges, not walls. That's it. All right. Uh, July, we talked about the Roe v. Wade decision. Heavy. Uh, we talked about Jalen Walker. He's the, the man who was shot 60 times by the police. Uh, we discussed why black on black crime is not a real thing. It's a we, fallacy. We, we've had that conversation many times. Um, we talked about that Sesame Street parade where the little black girls got ignored. Um, we went to August and discussed why midterm elections were important. Of course, we had to get ready for the midterms at that point. Uh, to whom are police accountable? That was an important question as well. Themselves, it seems. Then no one else. Um, how stereotypes affect black children and growing up. And we shared examples of our childhood growing up, us, the stereotypes that we understood to be true, mm -hmm. how, they, how it kind of closed us in. Um, September, we, we talked about environmental racism, specifically Jackson, Mississippi with, they didn't have clean running water and Flint, Michigan and Flint as well. Very, um, very black communities, by the way. Exactly. Uh, and how you wouldn't see that happening in a non-black community. Uh, we also talked about in September, 
Uh, this was in the, when the Little Mermaid came out and the actress was black. Um, yeah. We talked about black people in fairy tales, not just Little Mermaid, but we also talked about it in like a Hobbit or Lord of the Rings thing and the Game of Thrones, you know, stuff. And then in October, we talked about voter suppression initiatives and what those were. Uh, we talked about a couple of videos we interviewed with Isaac Hayes III. And then that brings us approximately to where we are now. So that's our year in review. We had a good year, man. Looking forward to next year. But now it's time for the Way Black History Fact. Today's Way Black History Fact is sponsored by the Black Information Network Daily Podcast. And we are discussing the great African Roman Emperor. So I will read from my notes here. In AD, in AD 193, Lucius Septimius Severus was named ruler of the Roman Empire and in doing so became Rome's first African emperor. What a name. There's a lot of names here, but yeah, that's he got I might, I might change my name to <laughs> say it again. Septimius Severus. Uh, oh, sorry. Lucius Septimius Severus. Yeah, man. He was doing it. If you guys, yeah, I'll think about it because <laughs> I, I might have to go with that. All right. After emerging victorious from a period of civil war, Severus expanded the border of the empire to new heights, ushered in a period of imperial transformation, and founded a dynasty. Born in AD 145 in the prominent Roman Libyan city of Leptis Magna in Africa, Severus came from a wealthy and prominent local family. In AD 162, Severus went to Rome and was granted entry into the senatorial ranks. After his cousin Gaius Septimus Severus had recommended him to Emperor Marcus Aurelius. That's a lot of S's here. Severus rose to the ranks of the Cursus Honorum, which were public offices held by aspiring Roman politicians, gaining entry into the Roman Senate in AD 170 and being appointed legatus, a senior position in the Roman army in AD 173 after his cousin became proconsul of the province of Africa. Two years later, he married Pasia Marciana, a woman from his home city of Leptis Magna. The marriage would last a little over 10 years before Marciana passed away in AD 186 of natural causes. A year later, during his time as governor of Gaul and living in the city of Lugdunum, modern-day Lyon in France, or is that Lyon? Uh, Severus married Julia Domna from Syria, and the pair would have two sons, Lucius Septimus Bassanius, later nicknamed Caracalla after the Gaelic hooded tunic he always wore, and Publius Septimus Geta. All right. In AD 90, and sorry, in AD 191, the then emperor Commodus made Severus governor of Hanoia Superior, a province on the Danube frontier. I think that's how I say that. Um, the following year, Commodus was assassinated, and in AD 193, his successor, Publius Helvius Pertinax was declared emperor, heralding in the year of the five emperors, a time in which five men claimed the title of the Roman emperor. Pertinax's reign would last just 86 days before a disgruntled Praetorian guard, uh, which were household troops of the Roman emperors, unhappy with Pertinax's efforts to enforce stricter discipline within their ranks, assassinated him. Wow. The Praetorian Guard then did something remarkable and auctioned off the emperorship to the highest bidder. The wealthy center Didius Julianus offered the most money for their support and subsequently secured the job. How Julianus had bought his way to the top made him very unpopular in Rome, and as such, three candidates emerged as rivals to the imperial throne. 
Clodius Albinus, which is the governor of Britain. Pessinius, Niger, governor of Sirius. And Severus, governor of Gaul. By commanding the largest army closest to Rome, Severus had the upper hand. He secured the support of Albinius by offering him the title of Caesar, thus guaranteeing him a place in the imperial secession if Severus were to be successful. Now, I know it's a lot of names, but bear in mind, Severus is the African. All right. In June 193, Severus marched on Rome, declaring himself the avenger of Pertinax, and before he'd even entered the city, was declared emperor by the Senate. Julianus was executed in the palace after ruling for a mere 66 days. Severus quickly secured his power within Rome by dissolving the current Praetorian Guard and filling its ranks with soldiers loyal to him, as well as raising three new legions. In AD 194, Severus looked to quell any threat from Niger and Syria and defeated him at the Battle of Issus. While in the east, Severus turned his forces against those Parthian vassals who had backed Niger. His next move saw him come into conflict with his short-time ally, Albinius. Hoping to secure a family dynasty, Severus declared his eldest son, Caracalla, as Caesar, effectively severing ties with Albinius and quashing any successional hopes the governor of Britain might have had. Albinius subsequently marched into Gaul and the forces of the two men clashed in AD 197 at the hard-fought Battle of Lugdunum, a fight said to be the largest and bloodiest of all clashes between Roman forces. Severus emerged victorious and secured full control over the Roman Empire. He then carried out a purge of the Roman Senate, executing any who opposed him or shown favor to Albinius. Severus then waged a successful campaign against the Parthian Empire in the east, supposedly in retaliation for their support of Niger. His forces sacked the Parthian capital city of Tessiphon and added the northern half of Mesopotamia to the empire. For his efforts, a triumphal arch was erected in Severus's honor at the Roman Forum. Severus enlarged the Roman Empire further with campaigns in Africa and Britain. He made significant gains in Caledonia, which is modern Scotland. How about that? And strengthened Hardin's wall, but fell short of his ultimate goal of bringing the whole British island under his rule. It was in Roman Britain that Severus would see his final days. Ill health, most likely caused by gout, took a toll on the emperor who passed away in AD 211 at the age of 65. On his deathbed, he was said to give the following advice to his sons. Be good to one another, enrich the soldiers, and forget the rest. <laughs> it was his treatment of the soldiers that did indeed secure Severus's reign. His military reforms saw wage increases for soldiers along with the removal of the marriage ban, allowing military men to have wives. His treatment of the army would become a model that future emperors would emulate. And that is the story of not only the African emperor you never knew about, but really a story about the expansion of the Roman Empire that you didn't know about. And, you know, these little nuggets of history that don't make their way to us make us feel oftentimes like, well, we were just hanging out in Africa with bones in our noses. Um, and there's so much more there. And it's it's sad that our history has to uh, run alongside what would be considered white history, I guess, nowadays, or I guess world history you know but it's really our history and it's intentionally um, kept from us too right right but where but i was going it, with it this had to be intentional where i was going with this is that a lot of our history in africa um 
you know, I, I learned when I was in Egypt that a lot of people thought that was pagan. <laughs> so they just destroyed it, you know, all this sort of stuff. Um, but, you know, all the Romans and the Greeks and all this, so they learned from Africa. They learned science, religion, mathematics, everything from Africa, and then passed it off as their own. These are facts. These aren't conspiracy theories. Trust me, I know, because I wouldn't share any of that if it weren't true. All right. That's it for us today on Civic Cypher. Once again, I'm your host, Ramses Ja. He is Ramses Ja. I am Q Ward. Uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in with us again. Mm-hmm. Another, uh, I don't like to call these episodes because these is more like f- family meetings that we have every week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Uh, but yeah, you're right, man. Another episode, another year. You know, another year in the books. So um, we're going to keep doing what we we do. We appreciate all the support, um, especially the recent support, because we got a lot of really amazing things in the work. I know we keep teasing it. When the time is right, we will share more with you. But just know that it's all coming. And uh, in the meantime, hit the website, civicsypher.com. Download this and any previous episodes. Uh, send us your topics. Make a donation. Follow us on social media at Civic Cypher. I am Ramses Ja. Q word is I am Q word. And until next week, yo, peace. From headquarters, behind enemy lines, sidestepping the borders. For press passes, we bring it to you as it happens. The streets love my crew for music and rapping. Street commander slash beat expander. Here to fight the slander with the proper propaganda. What's happening? You got a question, then ask it. The news is just a TV show. Get past it. And this from a quiet wartime journalist headlines. Wake up, refuse, and resist. Like this, like this, like this, like this.